0: Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. Uh, B.A. is here once again, joined by Mr. I.B. racing himself, Brad Brown. Brad, I know you had a big week planned, but I think some things have changed because there is no beer in the kegerator right now. What is going on?
1: Yeah, I, I was a sl- slacking here. Uh, uh, the beer fridge is empty, but I ended up brewing four batches of beer this last weekend, so I got 20 gallons going to be ready to go in about a week, so uh, stay tuned.
0: Yeah, we are uh, we're on the poor man's Bud Light tonight, so... Uh, <laughs> Back to, back to our roots, basically.
1: Yeah. You can't ever go wrong with a Bud Light.
0: No, definitely not. Uh, so, uh, with that being said, uh, silly season's upon us, man. That's the biggest news going on in the sprint car racing right now is all the ride swapping. Car changes. You never know who's going to be in what car right now.
1: Yeah, holy buckets. Yesterday was a busy, busy day for silly season. Uh, kind of quite the kickoff, I guess. Uh, um, there were several announced yesterday. One or so, one or two announced again today. And... Uh, There's a couple teasers out there on Twitter that uh, look for a big announcement coming in the very near future, whatever that means. It could be as much as – who knows what it could be there's there's a, there's people that think they know and don't know and i always love the announcements that there's an announcement coming and expect an announcement from somebody so uh, you always like those type of announcements
0: yeah definitely i know back in like 2004 there would be a certain website i would go to to check out any of the rumor mill and see what those announcements just might be and it was another great uh great uh website to keep track of this silly season going on but no longer IB racing is not around you have been slacking my friend
1: well it's around it's just on life support uh it's per, it's pretty much a stats page anymore um it'll start picking up here now because uh now the silly season is going um there is a section on on the ibracing.com that keeps track of drivers announcements and which team they're going to be in and sponsors and that kind of stuff so that'll get going but uh i still I, i'm part of the my race pass app and so um, i'm still trying to figure out exactly which direction i want to go with that website and uh, so right now it's on life support but uh, hopefully it, it sur- survives and we can figure something out here in the near future
0: yeah definitely before we get started with all the, uh, the driver changes uh, i'm going to mention that we have uh, wayne johnson coming on the program later on tonight i'm uh, going to talk about his world outlaw rookie season and it's, it's hard to even imagine wayne johnson as a rookie he's been around forever
1: yeah, it, it, it's funny that uh, somebody that old with that many years of experience is considered a rookie. But understand why. Understand the reasoning behind it. But uh, he's he's got plenty of, of races and wins in underneath his belt that he's hardly a rookie. But uh, um, we'll talk to him a little bit of how his uh, rookie season is going with the Outlaws, and I'm sure it's not what he expected, but it's kind of what he expected if that makes any sense yeah definitely
0: and uh to keep the uh the local uh kind of regime going on i kind of that's what i wanted this podcast to be started with was uh kind of talk about local racing a little bit but it's kind of evolved into you know we got our the national drivers out and whatnot but uh rodney Droud, former eagle raceway 360 track champion is going to join the program and kind of just uh talk about his career a little bit tell us some stories hopefully uh maybe uh compare the old nsca days and uh kind of with the news that we kind of dropped last week that the uh, Nebraska 360 series might not be around next season. So uh, he's, he's been through that before, so maybe we'll get his in, inside take on it a little bit.
1: Yeah, he's good for stories, so I can't wait to uh, listen to this interview and see how it goes because uh, um, he's always Mr. Positive. Uh, he, he he likes to um, tell, tell good stories and be on the positive side all the time, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say.
0: For sure, for sure. So, with that being said, let's roll into the silly season a little bit. Uh, News dropped yesterday that uh, I think the first one was announced that uh, Shane Stewart is going to pilot the Jason Johnson 41 this weekend over at Lakeside Speedway and uh, Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Lake of the Ozarks, yeah. Because David Gravel has his NASCAR commitments going on. So, uh, the first one was that Shane Stewart
1: jumping over that uh, JJR 41. Yeah, and there's, I mean, not that it's any of our business or anything, but. uh, All year long when Gravel couldn't um, sit in the car, the 41 car, um, Parker Price Miller jumped in that seat. And for whatever reason, he's not going to be in that seat this weekend. Uh, They're going to bring out a a number 141. It's going to be a teammate to Shane, um, and they're going to race that. But uh, for for whatever reason, they chose to put Shane in. I've got to believe that uh, the reason being is they're leading the owner's points with the outlaws, and they feel – Shane in that seat gives them a better chance to keep the points lead or at least build on the points lead where Parker Price Miller is a little bit less experienced and he may not have the experience or success at either one of those tracks. And Shane, Shane does, he's he's proven that he can do well at both of those tracks. So that's, that's what I'm assuming is why they put PPM in that, or uh, put uh, Shane Stewart in that seat.
0: Yeah, definitely. Shane is one of those drivers that, you know, he's going to take care of your equipment. He's going to, He's going to get a solid finish out of your stuff. Yeah. He might not take the same chances that a, a younger cat, kind of like what PPM might do, and uh, he might wad one up, win it or wear it, basically. So uh, we mentioned Parker Price Miller, and it sounds like he is going to be in the uh, seventy-one car, you know, after this weekend for the remainder of the year.
1: Well, that that is kind of confusing because you know, as soon as uh, Jason Johnson Racing posted that about Shane Stewart and Parker Price being a teammate uh indy race parts followed that that up with a tweet of their own saying that parker price miller is joining that team for the rest of the year so is ppm in the 141 or or is he not uh it's looking like he's going to be in the 141 until after um uh the los uh lake of the ozarks race and then he'll be joining the 71 p and be a teammate to shane stewart uh, in the indy racing parts but uh well, I guess we'll just have to see. I haven't seen any confirmation either way on that yet. Yeah,
0: definitely. The, the quickest way to find out and actually factual is just turn to turn, tune. Uh, if I could talk this week, <laughs> tune into Dirt Vision on Friday night from Lakeside Speedway, and you'll find out for sure where uh, what car PPM is going to be in.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, the next one that kind of broke was uh, Ian Madsen has been named uh, to replace uh, Zeb Wise in the uh, Sam McGee Motorsports number no. 11 car. Um, Zeb uh, drove that car in the All-Star Tour all year long. He finished third in the All-Star points. No wins, three top fives, and he ended up winning the Rookie of the Year. Um, but uh, for whatever reason, those two split, and Ian Madsen is now going to finish out the year on the World of Outlaw Tour in the McGee Motorsports number 11.
0: Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, that McGee Motorsports, they, I, I have, don't think they've traveled much outside the All-Star, kind of the, the little All-Star area. So it's going to be kind of cool to see a, see a, kind of a, a new car join that World Outlaw Trail.
1: Yeah, and, and Ian's clearly a respectable driver, so I, I look for good things out of that 11 car. Um, Zeb had some good runs in that car, but uh, very inconsistent, uh, probably more because of a rookie and less experience. But uh, um, Ian's fast. He's he's driven. Uh, he got out of the 18 car and into the 17 car and did some uh, had some good runs in the 17 car. Uh, with Josh, Josh Boffman's car, and now he's going to give the 11 a shot and see uh, see how he goes with that.
0: And to continue on to our silly season, a friend of the show, Paul McMahon, he is now out of the 13-Paul book car. Uh, you mentioned that you might have kind of seen this one coming from earlier this year, but uh, it just sounds like you know it's due to funding, basically.
1: Yeah, Paul uh, was interviewed by uh, Jeremy Elliott out of Pennsylvania. that He runs the website com. And man Jeremy does some great stuff. Uh he he seems to get breaking news and behind the this, this this the real truth stories and and he interview he just released an interview this afternoon with Paul McMahon and Paul basically said um the boot car can't do it on their own anymore and they need money. Paul doesn't have money. Paul has a, a helmet bag and a and a seat. And so uh, they just uh, ended up splitting up and uh, Paul's going to f- try to find something else for next year and the Book 13 is supposedly according to that inter- interview has has a few drivers that have called him with bringing money or motors or both and so a new driver is going to be in the 13 car, but Paul's looking at options. He's had a couple of people call him, and he's just going to weigh his options. He's not going to jump at the first opportunity. He's going to kind of wait until the end of the season and see what's out there and uh, then make a decision. He would really love to run the All-Stars again, but uh, he'll just have to see what's out there.
0: Yeah, we definitely uh, mentioned it time and time again on the program that uh, money is the key to this, this whole uh, race car deal
1: and and it 's not a new development it 's been that way for yeah. many many years it It seems to be more prevalent now than before but uh yeah uh, you usually got a ride if you had a little bit of money in your wallet uh, but now it's it's more more than ever you don 't have to be good you just have to have, be well funded and uh, and that takes uh fills up a seat but uh um Paul landed on his feet uh, he's still got some good years left in him so uh, uh good luck to paul i've always been a fan well not always, but I've been a fan the last eight or ten years of Paul and When he was on our show a few weeks ago a month ago he i thought it was a pretty good a really good interview so uh good luck to paul
0: yeah definitely paul's one of those cats that you know we we talked about it off air we had the money to you know fund a sprint car team it'd be it'd be fun to just have him come along and just go out you know drink some
1: beers tell some stories and race cars on the weekend yeah because i think it would be a lot of fun uh if, if you came in with the right attitude and didn't tell paul that he had to win every race and put pressure on him i think you could have so much fun just i I think in the right situation paul's still going to be a very effective driver and so i agree that we could you could show up at the track and be ready to go and we could have a lot of fun he's a fan favorite super nice guy um i I think it would be a lot of fun to have uh, him in your seat
0: yeah, it definitely will be a blast. And I think that rounds out the uh, Monday portion of Silly Season. Not quite. Not quite. Who did I miss? Dom
1: Selzy is jumping in the Roth 83 car for uh, uh, the rest of the World of Outlaw Tour.
0: Yeah, that was announced today. So today's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you so, said Monday. Yeah, okay. so, yeah. So that wrapped up the Monday edition of Silly Season.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm following you now. Yeah.
0: So uh, bringing today on Tuesday, it was announced that uh, Dominic Selzy, as Brad mentioned, is going to be in the Roth Motorsports 83. That means Spencer Basin is out. That little uh, run did not last too long.
1: No, that experiment failed. Uh, Spencer, I'm sure, had a lot of pressure and felt a lot of pressure jumping in that 83 car. You, you got to win in that car. And uh he didn't he was in the b feature the c feature he flipped and tore up a car once uh he did not have a good uh um debut or he didn't have, have a good uh, job interview for that car to try to win that ride for next year so uh dom selsey will be in that car for the rest of the year and uh, we'll see what happens with the with the 83 car
0: yeah and it was also announced on wing nation today that's where the uh dom selsey one was also announced uh we I tried to get Dom on earlier this this week. I messaged him about coming on and just you know, that Wing Nation has a uh, has a name that uh QuickTime does not have right now. So uh that being said, uh Aaron Reitzel is gonna be joining Dom with the uh in an eighty three I believe an eighty three junior car for a couple races out in California.
1: Yeah, and, and Reitzel's always fast no matter what car he drives, so that'll be interesting. I know Reitzel's he can win about anything, but uh, I think his the big tracks are more uh, his, his to his liking. And California doesn't have a lot of big tracks, so but he's always fun to watch. So it'll be he'll give that eighty three junior a ride.
0: Yeah, definitely. And uh, mentioning uh, Aaron Reitzel, he is also the uh, two thousand twenty All Star Circuit of Champions point champion. He wrapped that up this weekend over at Fremont
1: Speedway. Two time defending champion. yeah. he he won last year as well. Uh, if you want to go with the rumors, the rumors that I'm hearing is that he's not going to be in that car anymore after this year, that he's going to be starting his own 87 back up, and uh, he's not going to be a part of the um, Reitzel-Boffman team, but uh, we'll see how that plays out. I, 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 I've i been hearing that uh, Ian Madsen might be in the 17 on the All-Star Tour next year, but uh, there are so many rumors out there, so you you might want to strap in and hold on tight when the when the silly season Um, as it kicked off yesterday, it's going to be full bore this, there's been drivers posting how, uh, silly season is going to be crazy this year. So, uh, um, well, i be racing. will try to keep track as as best he can.
0: Yeah, definitely. With all the action winding down on the racetrack, it's definitely picking up on the internet, uh, the rumor mills, the forums, uh, Facebook pages. So it's going to be interesting to see what all, uh, how that all unfolds.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to need a notepad to keep up. That's for sure. Or scorecard or whatever. Yeah, definitely. So,
0: uh, some race results going on, uh, no surprise, uh, World Outlaws, Kyle Larson kicked everybody's ass out in Pennsylvania again. Lucky for the PA posse and, uh, sprint cars everywhere. That sounds like Kyle Larson is going to be running a late model this weekend along with a silver crown car.
1: Yeah, he got, what did I hear? Number win number 41 this year. Uh, that's, that's everything he's driven, uh, uh, that's just that's just super impressive. But yeah, he's gonna be in the late model and silver crown car and uh give that thing a ride and see what uh see what happens. But uh the the posse had a, a much better showing this last weekend, so uh they shouldn't be too upset about how everything played out.
0: Yeah, definitely. Then uh we
1: mentioned Aaron Reisel. he picked up the win over at Fremont this weekend, Dominic Selzy
0: picked up a win over at uh the Maury Williams yeah. uh
1: classic king speedway or in hanford california hanford out there it's kind of funny uh maury williams uh tribute uh was won by maury williams cars on friday night um kyle hurst won on saturday night kyle hurst won the first race and then dom selsey won the second race and if you have a chance get on facebook and do a do a search and look for the king's uh king's speedway race in hanford uh uh, the the finish for the first feature with Kyle Hurst is is spectacular and if if you're gonna I, I mean he him was coming out of four and he was up against the wall and um, Mitch what do you how do you pronounce that Mitchell Facito Facito
0: I could be butchering uh, that name he too, was, but he yeah. was <laughs>
1: yeah he was coming off the bottom and he was drifting up towards the top and when they got it, just to before the finish line um, Hurst climbed uh, uh, Mitch's right rear tire hit the fence was airborne. Went across the line, landed, and took off, and it, it was really spectacular. So, if you haven't seen that, get on Facebook and look for that. Uh, I think it was on Flow Racing, but uh, yeah, Flow Racing look for that had video. that had
0: all that action. So, you, you can even jump onto Flow Racing, the Flow Racing app, and check out the entire night's replay. Uh, after after you describe that finish, that's probably what I'm going to be doing because I, you know, I did not watch any racing this weekend, so. Uh, i might have to, i have some catching up to do yeah
1: that's the only thing i did is is brew beer and watch watch a uh, sprint car racing on the internet so uh with everything winding down in nebraska here it's uh it's it's that time of year so that uh, the flow and dirt are going to be your best friends
0: and uh onto the local racing scene we saw the uh hickman hurricane the palmyra whatever you want to call it now <laughs> uh trevor grossenbacher he uh swept the weekend up at us 36 picking up the Missouri Nationals. So. Uh, not too bad for one of those local boys in a three hundred five car. Uh, he definitely put on a, a put on an ass whipping, basically. So, uh, congrats to Trevor. Uh, I was hoping to make it out there for one of those nights, but it did not play out.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't get to see any video highlights or nothing. Uh, there, was, there was just not a lot of uh, posting about that race, so I didn't get to see a whole lot. But I just I did see that uh, Trevor took both nights. So. Uh, I didn't see how our buddy Stu did. I didn't get to see. I think he got fourth the first night. Fourth I and third, I believe, third.
0: something like mm-hmm. that. Then uh, we mentioned Jay Russell a couple a couple weeks ago when we had Stu here having, uh, you know, trailer issues <laughs> and whatnot. And his uh, his hauler saga has continued as uh, the truck broke down one night on the way, to, either on the way home or on the way to the racetrack. So uh, that that poor guy, you cannot catch a break this year in Boy, the, in the yeah, hauler
1: situation. He definitely needs to be re- hit the reset button and start over
0: yeah definitely uh then i want to also give a shout out to uh some quick time mojo as amber balkan she uh raced out there at jacksonville in the fleet ruzak car she picked up her career best uh finishing a midget with a i i believe a 10th place finish i know it was a top 10 uh the only place i know for sure was our boy trey gropp finished fourth so uh congrats been, and been good uh night. yeah good for good run for trey and a uh, good run for amber as she's you know picking up and learning that midget every time she's out there so uh hopefully she can get that funding that she was talking about and uh and get a full season next year she might be one to contend with
1: well in an announcement today um trying to get back to normal uh, knoxville raceway released their schedule for next year and it's pretty much the same as it's been the last couple years they're having the opening night on april 17th they're having the outlaws there the all-stars the 360 nationals the usac Uh, they're having a full season and I'm sure they're being optimistic and hoping we're going to get through this whole thing, and everybody does and everybody is hopeful, but uh, they released their schedule, so at least one indicator that things hopefully will be back to normal next year and fans going to Knoxville can can get used to their normal routine again.
0: Yeah, definitely. I could definitely go for some of those spicy chicken bites right now, so uh, <laughs> hopefully next year I will actually make a return to Knoxville Raceway You know, a couple of times next year. You know, Outlaws would be great to go to the, that uh, Corn Belt Nationals. Uh, with the USAC cars and, you know, the greatest 10 days in sprint car racing all together with those uh, Southern Iowa Speed Weeks, uh, Knoxville Nationals, the 360 Nationals, and the 410 Nationals. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Best 10 days of the year. Yeah, definitely. And with that, uh, we're going to take a break. I need a refill. Brad needs another beer. We're going to be joined on the phone here with Wayne Johnson talking World Outlaw Racers and his Rookie of the Year uh, campaign with those Outlaws. Right now on the hotline with us is the uh, host of Wednesdays with Wayne, but that's not why he's here. Uh, We're talking World Outlaw Racings with uh, driver of the 2C, Wayne Johnson. Wayne, man, how's your week going?
2: Oh, Good, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Just been busy, busy, busy this week. Uh, Long track home from Port Royal and uh, got back late uh, Sunday night uh, from there and then kind of relaxed a little bit on Monday, but uh, had a trip to uh, Liberal, Kansas today back uh had some meeting with the boss there today and uh thank god for having friends in high places I actually got to uh, go on my buddy's jet and back so it didn't take too long
0: <laughs> that's not a bad way to travel
2: no not at all you know it <laughs> was like a, it's a four and a half right at four and a half hour drive from my house to liberal and it was we took it about 20 minutes
1: wow well, it was probably it's probably the drive there's probably flat and straight as an arrow isn't it
2: uh, pretty much not a lot to see out there in the pan out of Oklahoma and, uh, you know, West Kansas. It's uh wind blows all the time. You see a lot of tumbleweeds.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I know for my, uh, for a fact that my one trip down to Dodge city down in that area, it was the most boring drive I ever made. And that, that's including the drive from Lincoln, Nebraska to Knoxville. So.
2: <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, uh, I say it all the time about, uh, you know, liberal, uh, thank God for liberal with, for Todd and Kelly, uh, the car owners, but, I spent about a month there uh, a few years ago, and uh, man, I'll tell you right now, oh, uh, I don't know how they do it.
1: <laughs> isn't isn't uh, originally Tony Bruce Jr. from Liberal?
2: Yes, Tony Bruce is from there. Ty Williams is from there, which is a three hundred five racer that uh, he's, he lives in Oklahoma now. But uh, uh, Randy Rogers, I think, Rogerson, I think. There's a lot of racers from up in that area. Yeah, lots. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I saw on your Twitter that you drove that marathon right all the way back from Pennsylvania, and then you took a little nap, and then you just jumped your butt out of bed and went for a, a workout. Uh, um, what got you started in this workout regimen that you've been involved with for like uh, two or three years now, hasn't it?
2: Well, I, you know, when I got hurt way back in 2010, I uh, really busted my butt for a little while there and got in shape, and then I got lazy and got fat, and uh, Honestly, uh, me and Sarah come were coming home from Mexico uh, on vacation, and uh, she was showing me all these pictures of these people on the beach. And I was like, who is that? Who are those people? And she said, that's you. I said, that's fat person's meat. And she said, yep. I said, oh, I better get in the gym. So that's really where it all started here in the last <laughs> couple of years. And I've knocked off about 40 pounds, and uh, but really more than anything with Uh, you know, with what's going on. You know, I've been a racer for a long time, but I'll tell you right now, I knew going into this year that I was going to have to uh, really step up my game and be in really good shape. And uh, not that I've always been in bad shape, but uh, I just knew this was going to be a tough task. So I needed to be able to focus and and be as physically fit as possible.
1: Well, traveling as much as you guys do and kind of going with this this workout regimen and I I assume eating healthy and so forth. Uh, How, with you doing all this traveling, how can you eat smart i mean you gotta sometimes i assume have to eat at a truck stop and grab a cold sandwich or whatever i mean how do you how do you keep your weight off now that you've worked so hard to get it off
2: it's hard it really is uh you know uh it's 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 really it's the hardest thing ever you know and i've put on through COVID here probably four or five pounds i put that back on but and it's just from really uh in the early part of it just being bored a little bit and then uh, a little bit stressful not working and then and then uh, the road, you know, it really, it's hard to do. Uh, the thing that I will do, and it's I know it's not healthy, and I know uh, all the health health nuts that are listening are probably going to get all over me on this. But <laughs> if I know that uh, I'm not going to have a chance to eat well, uh, then I just don't eat. I'll eat, you know, like I'll go to say we'll go to dinner or I'm sorry, lunch before a race and maybe go to a restaurant or something. I try to eat choose the best choices I can. But uh that'll be the last meal that I'll have for the day. And uh the biggest thing that I do is I keep peanuts on hand. I got peanuts everywhere. Peanuts <laughs> are my go to. So I just eat a I honestly eat a lot of plant planters are to sponsor me as many peanuts as I eat.
1: But th- that's not good luck in, yeah, uh, in the pits, is it? I hear that's <laughs> bad luck. <laughs>
2: Well, you know what? Evidently, it's the truth because I have had no luck.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I don't know how you could eat healthy on the road. I know when I when I hop in the old uh old old four f- fusion and uh, hit hit a race anywhere, it's it's McDonald's drive is on, on the way to the track, shitty uh shitty track concession stand food while I'm there, and uh, McDonald's on the way home if I can find one open at two o'clock in the morning.
2: It's very tough, you know. And just the truck, you know, you say truck stop food and and all that. I try to you know, I try to go in, I, I, you know, we had a deal on the podcast the other day when I flew home from Pittsburgh, I got the airport at like five o'clock in the morning and there was nothing open except a little kiosk. And I was starving because I hadn't had anything since lunch the day before except peanuts. And, uh, uh, I went in the kiosk there and all there was was potato chips and this, that, and the other. And I don't know if you listen to wing nation, but, (laughs) <laughs> i i grabbed corn nuts for breakfast <laughs> i don't know if you guys know what corn nuts are, <laughs> oh but yeah yeah,
0: yeah we, we're definitely corn nut fans here so i mean we're, we're the corn for state for a reason
2: but it was it was uh you know that was honestly the best choice i mean and i don't know that it's any better than a potato chip but it just seemed like it was
1: right hey all, all you got to do is run that one extra mile and that that balances it out so you're all right
2: well, I'll, my, on my regimen, you know, every day that I'm home, I try to go to the gym, and and I'm gonna say that I make it about ninety five percent. Sometimes uh, something comes up and I just don't make it, but it's not often. Uh, you know, we got home. Uh, I drove basically twenty four hours in the car home, and uh, got back home that night. And then we were home uh, for about. 12 hours, I would say, before I made it to the gym, but, you know, 12 hours at home and still, you're just still dragging, but, uh, went straight to the gym and got that out. So that was good. But, uh, went again this morning and then hopped the plane to liberal and plan on tomorrow again. And, you know, it's just, it really, it's not that difficult once you start, uh, actually, I know how good I feel when I leave the gym and, uh, it makes my day go by good. It really does. If I don't do it now, I'm sluggish and I don't feel like my day goes good.
1: I agree with you. I, I work out, um, run quite a bit. I'm too, I don't like to do much else. I like to run. And, uh, same with you. I, I ran three today and I felt great the rest of the day. It's so easy to just park it on the couch and not do that. But, uh, you know that you're going to benefit from doing it. So, uh, a, a 30 minute workout is, is worth every minute of it. Uh, uh, it kind of balances things out, and it give, it, you accomplish something by by doing a workout. So I, I completely understand what you're saying.
0: You guys are making it, me feel like a lazy piece of shit right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it definitely no, I really I tell you, it really does make me feel well. And and uh, you know, I run every day. That's my big deal. Every day I can. I shouldn't say even when travels. If if I stay at a nice place that's got a nice treadmill or a nice elliptical or whatever, then you know, I'll hit that up at the hotel, even on, uh, you know, when I'm traveling, but a lot of times their equipment's really crappy or whatever, but I can't run outside ever since my injury in 2010, I can't run on the concrete. Uh, it just makes my legs swell, tears my leg up. So I either got to do it on a treadmill or a, an elliptical, but like in the off season, you know, I, I, this last off season, I had a personal trainer and that really helped as far as, uh, you know doing a lot of weight training and that kind of thing and and looking forward to that you know we got about i don't know what four weeks of racing left here and and as uh, soon as we get back off of that and we're back home every you know and and not traveling then i'll get back in the gym with my personal trainer and hopefully be in better shape next year
0: yeah speaking of racing you're kind of we kind of have a home game for you a little bit here with uh lakeside and uh, lake of the Ozarks coming up this weekend uh What's going to take to, uh, you know, compete with those Outlaw boys and, you know, hopefully uh, park her up, up front in the, on, on the front stretch at the end of the night?
2: Man, I wish I knew. Uh, you know, we're 49 races in and uh, you know, we haven't been very good at all this year. You know, one top 10 at uh, Devil's Bowl which, uh, you know, Devil's Bowl and Lawton are my home tracks basically, so I feel like I should have run well there, but you know, I really wish I knew. We have struggled. We have messed with balance. We have messed with engines. We have done everything and uh, you know I feel like we're gaining at times and then sometimes I feel like we take you know say we take three steps forward and two steps back and it's just you know then you, I look back and I think about all first year freshman outlaw teams everyone struggles and I really you know I can't hang my head down at all because I know how tough this is and I feel like that uh at any local level we'd come back and be pretty dominant I think but with these guys, they're the best because they're the best. But I look at Logan Logan Shuhart and Jacob Allen's team with Bobby there, and, you know, you go back five or six years ago, they were in my situation. You know, they were tough making shows and running in the back and all that. Absolutely. Now, you know, you look five years forward and look where they're at now. So it's it's a learning curve. It's definitely a step up, uh, not knocking the locals or any of the, the stuff I've done in the past because, you know, those are tough guys to race, and it's just a whole different deal uh i feel like we race okay uh i just feel like that we qualify crappy every night which we do you can go look at the stats and with these guys you can't give them a head start at all
1: just curious uh, i i think you were on uh, wing nation or uh some someplace else i heard or read that early on you you mentioned that you were expecting to have a have a tough year um rough year whatever you want to say is it kind of what you expected, or is it is it harder than you expected? I mean, you you've traveled a lot, you've been with the ACS for many many years, and so forth. Is it kind of what you expected, or or is it a little bit more complicated than you than you planned?
2: Honestly, I thought uh, you know I knew it was going to be tough. Don't get me wrong, but I really thought within the first month or so that we would be competitive, not winning every night or or whatever. But I just felt like that we would you know, be in the hunt for some top tens and maybe maybe winning a heat race or getting in the dash or even in getting, you know, I know there's no inversion anymore, but they're still in my eyes, That you know, the top two rows in the heat race, you better be in them if you plan on transferring. And, uh, you know, I felt like we would be competitive. So uh, I really thought we were going to be okay uh, just because of the experience I have. And, you know, I just felt like our team was going to be well-equipped enough to do that. Uh, Todd and Kelly have gave us everything that we need financially and i I knew it was going to be tough but i I thought we'd be better uh but to answer your question it's damn tough it's (laughs) tougher than i ever dreamt uh you know these guys go 110 percent every lap and you you can never relax uh and you know it's 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 our qualifying effort and i know it is because every race that we're in we normally move forward and and like I said you're just not going to give these guys a head start at this level especially when you're talking about the outlaws you know these guys are are uh, the best because uh, or they wouldn't be doing what they're doing
1: Kind of a, uh, I'm stealing one of Brandon's questions that he's used a couple times here. I'm kind of going to change a little bit, but what would October Wayne Johnson tell December Wayne Johnson? And I mean, I'm talking last December when you were getting ready to do this outlaw tour, what would today's Wayne Johnson tell that guy that he better be ready for that, uh, that you weren't quite, quite ready for,
2: um, uh, you're saying this, my, my October today was yeah. telling December of last year. Yeah. Before yeah. yeah. Oh man. Uh, Good Uh, (laughs) you know i wish i knew all the answers because then i think that we could probably put it in the words but (laughs) are into even into the team or into the car or whatever but honestly uh my mentality stayed the same as as uh from december of last year we just work hard and keep it up and it'll eventually come uh and i told the guys and if you go way back into the wing nation stuff back in January when they we announced that we were gonna do this, yeah. they asked me what I thought. And I said, you know, I just want to qualify. I know we got to qualify better. And one if we can qualify, then we'll we'll be fine. And we have never done that. So, you know, we haven't qualified in the top ten all year long. So uh or in that in that group of, you know, sixteen if there's four heat races or vice versa. Or just we haven't qualified and got to start in the first two rows of a heat race yet this year. So mm-hmm. Just with that being said, if you know, with the listeners that, that uh, you have, and and you know, think about we're fifty races in, and I'm a veteran that's done this for a long time, and I haven't started in the first two rows of any heat race in fifty <laughs> races, so that just goes to show you how tough it really is.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned qualifying there, and I, I know, like when you ran the ASCS stuff, that's all draw stuff based on passing points and whatnot. But what is it that is so hard about qualifying?
2: You know, I wish I could put it on into words I don't know I mean if I knew I, I would we've you know we've changed engine builders we've had different mechanics we've we've done everything and we just can't figure it out I don't know we're just I honestly uh something that I'm trying this week I just think we're too free I don't think we're in the track enough when it's early in the night I don't think we got enough grip uh, I don't think we're utilizing our motor as you know I think we're spending a lot <clears throat> because what happens with these cars in and dirty air behind cars you got to be free these cars can't be tight like they could in the years past uh because they just drive horrible in dirty air and if you're tight you're really bad so these cars are as free as possible and i just don't think that we're getting to the ground and getting it tightened up enough because we're so gun shy because we've been so tight in the racing and i think we've kind of surpassed and backed up our qualifying effort because i think early in the year we were qualifying a little better than we are now but we've got our car driving good for the races now, where we didn't have the car driving good. And I think we just gotta back up and just have two completely different outlooks. We gotta qualify good and then we're about getting the car freed up.
0: Now do do you mentioned that you know you, you pass cars when you're actually racing. Do we need to put a little rabbit on a racetrack to give you something to chase or would the, no, you think that think would help? That actually,
2: <laughs> I don't really think that's the issue. You know, back racing with ASCS, you have to pass cars every lap that you can and and uh you know this deal is so much harder to pass cars, and it's just because and I shouldn't say it this way, but in the three sixty ranks the uh from the a cars to the B cars to the c cars, it's a little more diverse, you know there's more of them and at this level, there's not a lot of b's and C's and D's or however you want to say that, so it's just harder to pass, and you know when you don't qualify good, you're starting behind those cars but and I think part of the qualifying effort for as for us is I've raced a s s for so long, you know, for the last twelve years or whatever you want to say, without qualifying, that I'm out of practice because, like, when I ran Knoxville, you know, uh, a few years back, uh, you know, we qualified every week and I qualified well and did and raced well, but just out of just out of practice, I guess you could say.
1: I can only imagine what you're going through. I mean, you got to. If I was in your situation, I think that I would be questioning every little detail and how do you avoid feeling like you're just chasing your tail instead of – do you make big swings, changes or do you – make little adjustments here and there. I mean, I wouldn't have any idea. I mean, I've been a fan for my whole life, but I've, I don't know much about the technical aspect of racing. I mean, if you finished, you finished fifth and you started 10th, I call that a pretty good night. So I don't know the, the ins and outs of the mechanical aspect. So how do what do you do on a night to try to find that little speed that, to help you just keep improving? I mean, it's gotta be frustrating to a certain extent anyway.
2: Well, it is, you know, and, we haven't tested a lot this year and I feel like that's something that we've missed. We should have went and done some testing and this, that, and the other, but you know, on a race night, if you really think about it, there's not a lot of track time. Right. Uh, so, you know, you're always making adjustments. Well, with this deal, uh, you're always moving to the next to the next racetrack. So when you feel like you learned something, you, you keep really good notes and hopefully when you go back, you learned it and you thought, okay, well, we did that here last time. That didn't work or this worked. And we, you know, we try to improve that away. And I think we have, I mean, there's definitely times that we've, we've showed some speed and we've showed that, uh, you know, we can compete or whatever. But uh, as far as, you know, keeping the morale up with the team, it's tough. You know, these guys want to win, you know, I want to win. And uh, that's been a big part of it. I'm not gonna lie that, uh, you know, your guys start to doubt, you know, they're doubting me and I'm doubting them and, you know, there's frustrations and arguments and, uh it's you know that's a big big part of this uh traveling circus if you want to say that you know the guys on the road are married they just don't know it and, <laughs> you know they eat together they sleep together uh they work together they play together they fight together i mean it's 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 really that's the aspect of 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 a world of outlaw team i would say is you have to have guys that can get along and work together and, uh, believe in each other. And I feel like that, uh, you know, we've lost that a little bit at times and then we've had to regroup that back up. And, uh, you know, I hired Rob Hart about eight weeks ago to come in and try to help us. And, and, uh, Rob's last night was at Port Royal. Uh, I appreciate Rob come along and helping me. And I think we've learned a lot from him. Uh, but, uh, you know, we had talked about this when we started our adventure together that, until you know we wanted to work together until we felt like it maybe wasn't working anymore and so at port royal we decided that uh, it was time to go our separate ways so now it's back to me and john and slip and uh back for me and you know i haven't been traveling with the team so uh so it's back to me traveling in the rig and and uh these last five races hopefully uh we can gain some stuff i feel like rob gave us a lot of knowledge and a lot of things to work on and try and and uh, this, that, and the other. So uh, hopefully I can implement it and uh, make something happen at the end of the year and finish finish strong here at the end of the year and, and uh, you know, have something to build on over the winter uh, coming into next season.
0: Yeah, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, if you look back at, like, the Shark Racing team, how they, were you know, they struggled when they first started, and, you know, five years later, they, uh, you know, they're running up front constantly. Did you guys go into this with, like, a five-year plan or two-year plan or anything like that? I know you, <laughs> you, you I know you... Uh, Kind of announced earlier that you're coming back for a sophomore season, but did you guys have like a uh, like a long term plan with this outlaw deal, or is it just kind of fly by your seat and go?
2: No, we really didn't have a plan at all, to be honest. You know, there's a phone call one day. uh, I want to say early, early. I don't remember if it was the. I don't remember when we announced or anything. Now it's been so long ago, but it was just a phone call from the car owner and said, you know, sell all those three sixties. I want to buy four tens and go outlaw racing. And I said, what? And he's, and he's like yeah we're going out already, so we're going, like, hey, already. yeah let's go <laughs> well I, you know at first i'm not gonna lie i was a little apprehensive you know our little old team you know it was uh, a really good 360 team but i knew that financially uh you know it was gonna take a lot of money so todd sit down and we talked about it and he said you sit down and put a budget together and i sit down and put a number that i thought after about two weeks of prep and trying to talk to people and figuring it all out and and just, you know, the price of diesel and so on and so on. And it took me about two weeks to put it all together. And I come up with a number and and uh, thought that's what it would be able to take to do it. And and he told me I was crazy. It wasn't enough. And <laughs> so he added to it and said, and once he did that, then I knew we were serious and I knew this could happen. So, uh, you know, with that being said, there was no, uh, you know, one year, two year three-year plan or whatever i mean i'm 49 years old i never dreamt that i'd be out on the world of Outlaw trail at 49 years old but they're giving me a great opportunity i still feel like i can get the job done i feel like that uh you know do i feel like we can win a championship i don't know that our team's uh, that caliber of team but i feel like that we can be competitive and whenever all the stars align we can win some races you know even if it's just one or shit at this point i'd like to just win a heat race. so <laughs> uh you know but it's just really cool that Todd believes in me enough to give me this opportunity. And he's always wanted to have an outlaw team and, and who knows, you know, uh, we, like I said, we don't have, there's no five-year plan. We know that we're coming back for our sophomore season, but uh, you know, with the right uh, sponsor, uh, maybe a right uh, opportunity with a young driver uh, that I wouldn't step away and be the crew chief and put someone in the car and, and uh try to make this a uh you know a longer program because honestly i mean uh you know like i said i'm 49 years old and i don't know if i want to be pounding myself to death in that race car for another five years
0: yeah definitely we we kind of mentioned earlier also uh you you started that podcast Wednesdays with Wayne. Uh, kind of what was the uh, mentality? And we're switching gears here, obviously. Uh, what was the mentality? Of, you know, starting the podcast. You know, I, I gotta I gotta imagine it's a great marketing aspect to get you know get everybody updated on what what the two seed team's doing.
2: Well, honestly, uh, my girlfriend Sarah uh, is she is Wednesdays with Wayne. To be honest, she has done all of the marketing. She's done all of this stuff uh, with apparel and. Uh, just I don't know anything about a podcast. You know, <laughs> we don't, I don't either. I, mean. <laughs> I don't I mean, honestly, until she started this podcast, I really didn't know what a podcast was. I'm not gonna lie. Uh but she said, Listen, we need to market. You know, if we're gonna be on the road, world of outlaws, we gotta market. And I you know, my in my day, marketing was what for what I did for a living, marketing was what you could do on the racetrack. That was performance and that's what sewed t-shirts and so on and so on you know however that worked well with this day and age with technology and and uh, uh internet and social media and all the stuff that goes on there's a lot more to it and she said people want to interact, interact with drivers and crew guys and know the ins and outs and blah 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 you know and all that stuff and I thought she was crazy at first when she wanted to do it. And I said, well, whatever makes you happy. If you, I just told her, I said, I don't want it, I don't want anything to do with it. I'll do it. <laughs> but you have to do all the work and she's put in all the work. And, um, <clears throat> we just actually recorded our post, our podcast today. And she told me since last week alone, uh, it, we, uh, when she say, 39% growth in a week. Oh, wow. wow. And it That's was good. because of wing nation, I'm sure, you know, cause I was on wing nation last week and, uh, but it's cool, you know, to see the growth and see her, see how it's going and, and growing. And, you know, it makes her feel good. You know, it's her deal. She does every bit of that. And we winged it. The first time that we did it, we had no idea. We still don't. <laughs> what are you talking about? We still don't know what we're doing. Yeah, we we,
0: we still don't know here either.
2: <laughs> we just get, you know, we get people to give us uh, ideals and this, that, and the other. And, and, you know, if you've listened to my deal, we just ramble on. You know, we just talk about whatever, and, you know, even home stuff, you know. And where it really all started was, uh, you know, the iRacing thing. And, you know, it's the craziest thing. She went Facebook Live on the very first iRacing that I did. I built a simulator, and we did all that. I had no idea anything about a simulator either, by the way. (laughs) Never played the game in my life. Never knew anything about it. But I thought, you know what? I'm bored. Why not? We got to do something. And that first night that she did that within 36 hours, we had a thousand dollars worth of t-shirt sales. Holy crap. So I thought, you know what? This is a pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah. We <probably laughs> got to get to working a little harder. Yeah. But your listeners got to come check it out. You know, and listen, it's uh, Wednesdays with Wayne. I don't know how to look. Don't know how to search it. Don't know anything. about <laughs> it. But if you're listening to this podcast, you know how to go look. So Wednesdays with Wayne, we I think we're, coming up on like 40 episodes and it's and it's growing it's pretty cool
0: yeah definitely we, we just use our podcast as an excuse to uh, get together drink beer and uh, talk racing
2: <laughs> well i'll tell you what if you go back and and, li- and listen to the geo or not the geo the dom selzy i don't know if you have wednesdays with wayne it's been a few weeks ago yeah. uh we had a barbecue while we were in knoxville uh during the week and we had steaks and a few drinks, maybe a couple bottles of wine. I think me and Sarah, and then we had Dom on, and he was in a bar in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Pretty lit, so it's pretty comical.
0: <laughs> Sounds like our kind of show,
2: <laughs> you know. And, and that's what it's about. You know what? You can say whatever you want, and you know we got a voicemail line. And if you call, and uh, you know sometimes I answer, and I just you know it's so crazy because there, you know, she's got it forward to my phone sometimes, and not hers, and I'll answer the phone, and it's hey you' you're this is supposed to be a recording no and I, so then I have a long conversation with people, and uh, then I get chewed out because i didn't record it <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know you re- you just talked about uh having personal relationships with fans and and interactions and so forth and it's it's uh, more than evident i when we go to Knoxville for the greatest ten days of the year. Uh, One of the families that I camp with, uh, um, his name is Brad Swigert from South Dakota. Um, The first time he came across you, you took the time out of your day to chat with him, and you guys just, just shot the shit for a while, and that left a lasting impression on him. And now he's a huge Wayne Johnson fan and he, he searches you out every time he, he gets to Knoxville and just to talk to you and get an autograph and stuff. So it's something that simple that, that you do that makes a lasting impression on fans. Um, he, he had a similar situation or, or inter- interaction with a, um, a different driver and it turned out really poorly. And now he absolutely can't stand that other driver. And I'm not going to say who that driver is, but it's something as simple as what you did and said hi. I um, said hi to him and just shot the breeze with him for a little bit and now he's you want a fan for, for life with this guy and so it's it—it's just the little things that uh, make a big difference I think
2: well I try to do my best with that and I'm gonna I gotta lie there's times that it's tough uh, just because you're stressed out you're not running well and I'm defending the guy whoever it was that maybe
1: uh,
3: just had nothing to <laughs> you, you do wouldn't with defend it, him if guy. you knew who he was <laughs> it's Well, got, it's gotta saying, be Sammy time. Swindell <laughs> <laughs>
2: <clears throat> There's times that, you know, honestly, that we just uh, would rather be left alone. I mean, oh, I'm not going to sure. lie. And, but for the most part, I'm a fan. You know, I remember growing up and going to these races. Steve Kinzer was my hero. And as a grown man, I still get giddy when I get to visit with him. And we're buddies. You know what I mean? I am I still get giddy because, you know, growing up, that was my idol. And to have a beer or have a vodka on his level because he's a vodka guy. But, <laughs> you know, those I, I mean just to sit and talk to him is, is i get giddy i mean sometimes i'm I stutter and i don't even know what to say to him you know what i mean and i've known him for years now but i was a fan and i tried and i struggled this is the thing that i struggle with is after the races you get a group of people that come want to come visit and interact and all this and i get so stressed out because i feel like if I give one person five minutes of my time that I got to give them all five minutes right. and it gets very stressful because I don't want to make anyone upset.
4: But right.
2: at the end of the day, sometimes it's just tough, you know, and that's why I'm defending whoever that was because, you know, you just never know the situation. And, uh, you know, I try to do my best, but if you're listening and I've ever gave you the code shoulder, I apologize. Come back again. You know what? <laughs> Cause, uh, it's probably just a bad timing or, or whatever.
0: Yeah, definitely. I normally give late like, drivers, you know, three or four chances, you know, you know, they could have had a bad night or whatever. And, you know, you just had a bad interaction with them, but, you know, four times in a row or whatever, they just might be an asshole. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know what? I tell you, and, uh, you just never know. Dingus, you know, I've, I've probably met more fans at Dingus Lounge in my lifetime than I have probably after the races. And, and, uh, you just, you know what? People tell me that, you know, that I never meet a stranger and, I've got friends all over the country. I've got friends. I've got a couple of friends that I grew up with that are are friends, I mean, so close to me that we've known each other since grade school, kindergarten. Uh, Even before that, you know, my neighbors that live two doors down, I got a couple of friends that, you know, we're talking 49 years old and I still got grade school friends that daily that I talk to. And there's not a lot of that that goes on, especially with me and my travels, you know, I've got friends from coast to coast, but it's, uh, I guess where I'm going with that is never being home as much as I am. I mean, I'm never home, but to be able to keep those guys in the loop this many years on the road or, or whatever, cause I've been traveling, you know, last 25 years of my life racing and <clears throat> you know, when I'm traveling, I keep up with those guys, but you know what? I, I still never meet a stranger on the road either.
0: Right. Yeah, for sure.
2: I kind of rambled on there a little bit. Sorry. No, no, I mean. no, you're good.
0: Uh, I was going to bring up one thing before we let you go, because uh, like I mentioned earlier, that, that we like stories here. Um, I-80 Speedway is just up the road like 15, 20 minutes from our from where we're recording right now, and you had a hell of a weekend <laughs> back at I-80 and back in 2014 uh, at the ASCS Midwest Fall Brawl, picking up $55,000, man. What what do you remember about that weekend?
2: Oh, my God. You know, I can re- – what do you- what do you want to know what color underwear <laughs> i can tell you everything that happened that week uh from uh the day we you know from the time we got there and what happened and this that and the other but uh for to make a long story short you know of course we had to win the first night and uh we ventured over to the truck stop across the road that's back when we had a toter home so we just slept in the toter home and all that and did maintenance out there in the parking lot and <clears throat> we were doing the maintenance and uh, was running the valves, and uh, the engine was eating one of the push rods. So I called the engine builder, and I said, "Hey, uh, can I just take the push Because I didn't have any spare push rods for that engine." I said, "Can I just take a push rod out of that other engine? I have because I really want to run this engine." And he said, "No, it's different length push rod. You can't do that." So Charlie Fisher was the engine builder then, and he told me, he "said Listen, take that push rod, put it in a drill, take a piece of emery cloth, and sand the end of it off." clean it up real nice and then just put that into that push rod in the lifter instead on the rocker arm so that's what i did and i'll tell you right now the last five laps of that race when i got the lead for five laps all i could think about is that damn rocker (laughs) arm breaker (laughs) or being that push rod breaker so honestly that's a big thing i mean that when we talk about that race i mean we could talk about the money and all that stuff but that's what sticks in my head because When I got the lead, I was like, oh, we got the lead. We got, okay, we're whatever. And then I was like, oh, shit, that push rod. (laughs) And I just knew, because that's the way you race. You know, I'm like, oh, shit, that thing's going to fall out with a lap to go, and then we're done. You know, that's what I was on my mind. But after that, the best part was, is I had the car over there, and, you know, I don't know if you guys know about it, but they tore the engine apart because of the insurance policy, and they had to take the head with them and all that stuff, and the motor was hotter than heck, and, and, uh. You know, I they come over and say, hey, we got to tear the thing off. We've got to have the head. And I said, well, as soon as that thing gets down to about 100, 130 degrees, we'll tear it apart. I'm not burning myself on that engine. And I was kind of being a butthole because I didn't want to take it apart. And honestly, I wanted to enjoy the win and the victory <laughs> and have yeah. fun with everybody. Needless to say, we drank every beer that was left in that pit area, push truck beer. I don't know, everyone's beer. And at 4.30 in the morning, I end up taking that head off that end. Of Holy crap. <laughs> at, four, <laughs> at 4.30 in the morning.
0: Yeah, I know for a fact that you probably had a lot of push truck beers because uh, uh, Push Truck Mike, he's one of our good friends here, and he always has a cooler stock with probably three or four cases on big races. So I, I, I'm sure you drank a lot of push truck beer.
2: Yeah, we did. We we actually probably didn't roll out of there until 3 or 4 o'clock the, the next afternoon before anybody felt well enough to go <laughs> to head home. But also – uh clint garner uh <laughs> I'll never forget it they uh they made a victory lap for me as we were drinking everyone's beer in their hauler around i eighty <laughs> that is awesome <laughs> so you know you know you 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 know stories we we could go stories all over Oh, the world, for sure but, and I'm telling you I can tell you more stories about that night, but honestly, when it goes back to it uh anytime somebody brings up i eighty it's that damn push frog that all <laughs> I think about. It.
1: Well, just curious, because it was an insurance premium that paid you the $50,000 bonus. Uh, how long did it take before they finally released that money? Because at a racetrack, you win a race, you usually get paid that night, if not shortly thereafter. How long did it take you to collect that check?
2: You know, it wasn't long. I'm going to say week to 10 days, maybe. Oh, that wasn't bad. No, it wasn't bad at all. It wasn't bad at all. It was, uh, you know, it was a lot of money. It was the most money I've ever won in my life and uh it was felt pretty damn good. You know, I remember years ago when I won the short track nationals for the first time and I was just a kid and I come home and my dad, uh, you know, I raced for my dad before I ever started traveling. And at ten, when I won that $10,000, that's the most money I'd ever won. And I come home to his house and I think I owed him like 7,000. <laughs> I built the house or something. And, and maybe he paid for this. And I come home and I was able to pay him back. And he looked at me and said, you know what, that racing thing might work out for you. You know, cause I paid him back at one lump sum instead of 50 bucks a week or something however it was going to work out but uh and that's really what started it all you know for me racing is i mean i raced before and and traveled but once i won some pretty hefty races that paid a lot of money then i knew that this is what i wanted to do and and uh but that that actually you said 55 earlier by the time it's all said and done uh it was 62,500 dollars plus Plus, uh, I want to say another 2500 because uh, I had 2500 cash in his pocket that he was going to give me even if I didn't win it.
1: Wow.
2: That's not and not a bad night. <laughs> just just because, you know what I mean? And we're all in victory lane, and we're hooping it all, and I'm thanking everyone. And he pulled this extra 2500 or maybe it was 2000 I can't remember now, but whatever it was, he said, hey, I was going to give you this if you didn't get it done. But damn, he said, you did it in such fine fashion. Here's 2500 more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If Phil's walking around with $2,500 in his pocket, I might ha- need to hang out with Phil a little bit more yeah. often.
2: <laughs> Phil, Phil Durst was awesome with that. You know, he's the one that helped pay for some of that that uh, insurance policy, I believe, and yeah. and, and I tell you right now that it was so cool to uh, get that done. And you know, uh, I won a lot of big races, three hundred and sixty nationals, won prelim nights of the four hundred and ten nationals, and all that. But and it wasn't the money aspect of winning that race, but having to win both nights to do it, yeah, is definitely the biggest races of my career. Uh, you know, even way over the the prelim night of the 14 nationals, you know, I mean, this was still to this day, that damn push rod comes up.
1: <laughs> well, I don't want you to feel bad, but you ruined the uh, fall brawl for us. Cause now we can't do the two day show with the $50,000 bonus. Cause no insurance company will, will, will set a set of policy out for us. Well, it wasn't me. <laughs> Listen, I think, I think that was three
2: years in a row that got taken, wasn't
1: it? Uh, it was two years Dover got the first one. You got the second one.
2: Oh, well, for some reason I was saying it was, or like was it the other way around
1: did you get no, the first no one? i
2: got the last one okay because because honestly uh i was hoping that they'd do it again the next year <laughs> and then maybe if the guy won it again from last year he'd get another bonus <laughs> that's not bad uh, i love ied and you know those guys i love all the racetracks up there you know i lived in knoxville for 14 years and got to travel around a lot of those races and still going to get to come to you know those races when we get back up that way. but uh you know there's a lot of great racetracks in that area you guys are very fortunate
0: yeah, we're definitely spoiled in this area. That's for sure. I want to thank you for coming on. We could probably get talk for another you know hour or so, and you know telling stories and you know whatnot. But uh, maybe we'll have to have you on again here s- shortly. But uh, thanks for taking time out of your night and uh, telling us some stories. And uh, good luck this weekend as you roll into Lakeside and Lake of the Ozarks. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Wayne. Yeah, thanks, Wayne. Have a good night. Thanks. Thank you again. We want to thank Wayne Johnson again for jumping on the program with us. We're going to take a quick break, grab another beer, and we'll be joined with Rodney Drouet. A former Eagle Raceway 360 champion and uh, one hell of a nice guy. So uh, hopefully he'll have some stories with us and we'll just kind of chat racing a little bit. Stay tuned, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. We are now joined on the phone by a former Eagle Raceway track champion in the 360 Sprint Car Division, uh, recently retired teacher, uh, Rodney Drought. Uh, I'm not going to say a retired race car driver because who knows? He still might jump into a a car here and there.
3: You never know what Mark Birch will do (laughs) (laughs) and what I can convince Mark to do. So, yeah, I think I'm retired. But, hey, I do want to make sure that you point out that I was the back-to-back Eagle Raceway point champion.
0: there you go. Yes, for sure. <laughs> you, you, we cannot forget those uh, two-track championships. So uh, the good old days of Eagle Raceway, man. I, re- <laughs> I, I love watching that 96KX car and that 5X car roll around that racetrack back in the day.
3: It was a lot of fun. I had a great experience, and um, I was really blessed. But that's why I had to point out the whole two-time back-to-back because – I didn't get very many wins, so I got to take what I can get, you know?
0: Yeah, it's, it's not the number of wins. I mean, uh, it's those track championships, and I believe you have two more than your uh, your older brother there.
3: No, no, because he won a track championship. Well, he won a series championship with the NCRA. N- 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 We're not counting that. <laughs> really? I think you may have helped make the banner, so.
0: Oh, that's right, yeah. That was just a couple of years ago in the uh, the Oach Brothers uh, 1X car.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I think it was your picture too. So yeah, so uh, I'm not going to argue, but I think it was my picture. It could have been. <laughs> see, have been I like didn't that. know who I was talking to. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, Jason, it, it could have been your picture. I no, guess actually,
0: actually, Jason is not joining us. Uh, that's Ivy Race and Mr. Brad Brandt's on the program now with us.
3: Well, we're, I'm. It, Jason's not is it because I'm the only you know I was noticing that I'm the only retired driver that you've talked to at all in the podcast so far.
0: Yeah, definitely it's so, it's, it's silly season on the in, in the world outlaw ranks right now and also silly season here on the podcast so yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: definitely uh, silly season with Rodney Droud. so it's really great to be on here because I've enjoyed what you guys have been doing.
0: Yeah, it's like when I mentioned with Wayne earlier, we had him on, and we're we just use it as excuse as an excuse to get together, drink some beers, and uh, talk racing. I mean, you can't go wrong. What else are you gonna do in the offseason here in Nebraska? So, are you drinking Brad's beers? No, he's fresh out. You would not believe this. What
1: I I, I, I was a slacker and I completely ran out. So we're drinking uh, store bought and Bush
3: a uh, Bud Light. Oh. But, well, that's highly disappointing, but I feel better about that because I've never had any of your beer. I've only seen what you've been making, you know, either online or on Twitter yeah. and I am just, you know, I well, I do like to drink beer. I think I can say that on
1: here, can I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely can. Well, if, okay. if the garage door's open, the brewery's open, but uh, Oh. I got well. I got 20 gallons fermenting right now that'll be ready in about a week. So there's there's uh,
3: there's progress. Oh, wow. Well, that is good. So what what is your beer like then?
1: Um, my favorite that I brew is a, a pale ale. It's uh, just a generic pale ale. But this weekend I brewed an Oktoberfest, an Amberbach, a, a Quick Time Cream Ale, and uh, a pale ale. I did a batch of uh, wine and a cider as well. So I got a whole bunch of stuff. There's wow. A, there's a, there's a, there people, people like that have problems, and so uh, – <laughs>
3: How big of a garage do you have?
1: Um, ask my wife. Not big enough. But, uh, <laughs> my, my refrigerator will hold six kegs, and so right now it's it's completely empty, and it's embarrassing.
3: Wow, that's that's outstanding. <laughs> you're you're a multi-talented guy, then yeah. I would say. <laughs>
1: Well, let's get back to this racing thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. No, I digress. No, no, I can talk beer as much as I can talk racing. So, <laughs> so this last year, you uh, you, and Mark Birch and your, your brother, uh, Don Jr., were taking uh, the, the midget and uh, the non-wing sprint car around and doing some racing. How did that uh, season go for you guys?
3: Well, and you also have to add Ed Op. So my wow. former crew okay. chief okay. – that, you know, helped me to win those two championships uh, was also a part of the deal. And uh, guys, we had a phenomenal time. It was, uh, we had done the non-wing thing the year before, but we really focused on it this year and it was just a lot of fun learning and growing with Mark um, as a team And just watching those two work together again was a lot of fun because you have to remember that when they were working together before, they were racing against me. And so (laughs) I didn't have as much fun because it was, you know. Don Drow Jr. and the 1M, Don Drow, Jr. and Mark Birch again, you know, and, and <laughs> we were getting smoked most of the time. And so um, I've really enjoyed uh, being a part of what they're doing now. Well, you'll
0: like this because uh, back in the day, um, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly relatively new compared to you guys to sprint cars. I mean, I didn't get into sprint cars until about the 99 season or early 2000s. And okay. I was I was at uh, I was at IED Raceway, and uh, it was an Outlaw show. And uh, your brother Don was driving Mark's car, and the announcer kept going, you know, it's Don Drought and, and the one M. I'm like, no, that's Rod Rodney Drought. You, you, this announcer doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, because you were the only drought that I was familiar with at the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I I kept going back and forth. I'm like, this announcer has no clue what he's talking about. It's Rod Rod Drought, not Don Drought.
3: okay so was that the night that so don was driving the bk car right
0: well it was was the one m car it was it was uh it was the 2000 outlaw show in september i believe it was was my first first actual outlaw show
3: okay because i actually got to drive mark's car i don't know if it was a it, it probably wasn't a world of outlaw show but it was a 410 show and i it Took me a little while to get used to it. I can't remember if it was a 360 or a 410, but for whatever reason, Don wasn't driving it. And so Mark let me drive his car, but I had to wear Ed Ops driving suit because they had gone on a, I don't know if it was a or they were, they went to Missouri and raced um, Mark. And then uh, I believe it was, Ed and Jeff Bogue and Todd Debnich. And so they took two race cars down to race down there. And so Ed had his driving suit, so I had to wear Don's helmet, Ed's driving suit, and uh, I got to drive Mark's car. And I was, I don't remember anything about the heat race, but uh, I lined up for the feature and I started in the back And I remember passing Ray Lipsy with a 360 motor, and Ray was in a 410. (laughs) Now, was that the highlight of your career right there? (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, I could tell you about the highlight. But anyway, they had a red flag, and this is when they used to have open red flags. And Mark came down, and he's like – you're not supposed to be on the track. And I said, What? And he goes, Yeah, we didn't qualify for the feature. What? <laughs> but we had somehow, you know, lined up and they didn't notice me, I suppose, because I was starting last or next to last. And uh, so I had just passed Ray, which was huge in my mind, and found out that I was not supposed to be out there so I got DQ'd and they pushed me into the pits. But it was just, it was oh, it was wow. it was my first it was my first uh, go around in Mark's car and uh, oh my gosh, I felt like a, a rock star that night.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Oh uh, so how about how many years did you drive a sprint car? How many uh, are around this area?
3: I raced almost weekly for 19 years 19
1: was yeah. that was some of that a midwest speedway or was it pretty much eagle and then around? just
3: i i got to race the last year that eagle or that midwest was open okay
1: okay Wow. That's, that's, that's funny. That's, that's amazing that you could make it on the track and get half the race in before somebody realized that you weren't even supposed to be in that race. Well,
3: now I can't say that it was half Brad. It may have only been like three or four laps. All (laughs) I know is that I passed Ray Lipsy. I'm thinking to myself, Oh my goodness, what did I just do? And then they, you know, they throw the red and whatever.
1: (laughs) That's too funny.
3: Yeah. It kind of ticked me off, but anyway. (laughs) So,
1: um, Getting back to years, well, here, here's a question for you. Um, it doesn't look like the 360s are going to survive another year here. Uh, Dennis uh, Parker has left the Nebraska 360 um, Sprint Series as the race director, and unless somebody steps up and takes that role over, uh, it, it looks like that basically 360s are dead in Nebraska. Um, you you played a big role in in. Its existence over the last nineteen, twenty years. What are your feelings uh, about this whole thing? I mean, it's just—it's for me. It's sad to see it slip away. Even though we've seen it slipping away over the last couple of years, car counts have been going down and so forth. But uh, it just—it's really um, sad for me to see that three uh, sixties may not be around next year.
3: It honestly, it hurts my heart because this truly was something that began in nebraska and it had so much strength even during the times where maybe the numbers were waning a little bit but i just i've had several conversations with dennis and i know what it took the the work that it took to do such a thing. And I, what he did was just incredibly commendable right. because of the fact that it did, it, it got harder. And Brett, I can't explain in my mind why it got harder because there were plenty of 360s out there. Um, I just think that the 305s were easier for the guys to do. And I I got a chance to drive Jeff Bogues 305. And so I'm not saying it's easier to drive them. I'm just saying, like I talked to Tyler Druki one night when I was out there and he said, you know, I, I wish that I was racing the 360s, but this thing is it's so much cheaper, and uh I can run you know the same motor and not have to spend the money or the rebuilds and i'm i'm winning more right. and so um it you know it always used to be i was a mini sprint i mean not me, but I saw so many mini sprint drivers go from mini sprints to three sixties. And then some would go on four tens, and in this case, it was many sprints to three hundred fives, and a lot of those three hundred fives guys weren't moving up to the three sixties, and a lot of the three sixty guys were moving down to the three hundred fives.
4: Right,
3: and i I've been out to Eagle as a fan, uh, and I've, like I said, I've I've gotten a chance to drive uh, Jeff's, Jeff and Jay's. Uh, 305 but um the racing is good it's just you know it's it's a little bit different and so because there isn't a huge difference guys could race 305s and and really get their fill of racing and it not you know, right. be bad because they're not racing three hundred three sixties three sixties instead.
1: Right. Well, I've, I've never kept it a secret. My feelings on three Oh fives. I mean, I I don't dislike them, but I, I prefer the three sixties, but I, I mean, everybody loves the four tens, but I just have yet to adopt the three Oh fives. I, I will eventually I'll probably be forced to eventually yeah, you're gonna be forced. To. Yeah. 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 I'm just not, a a big fan of the 305s because it takes so much momentum to to maintain i mean you you hit get crossed up and tap the brakes and you lose five six seven spots and it takes you two or three laps before you can get back going and and try to get any of those back and i just i I have nothing against the 305s and the 305 drivers and teams hey you got to do what you got to do and i'm not going to say anything bad about them uh some people i've read on the internet how they they really cut them down and so forth, and that's not that's not what I'm here to do. I don't. I have nothing bad to say about them. They're just not my flavor. And right. And until that day comes, I'm gonna do what I have to do to try to enjoy a 360 or a 410 race. And and I will. Ma- I do make it out to Eagle once or twice a year. Not this year for COVID reasons, but uh, um, it, it is what it is. And and um, I, it just it's sad for me to see the 360s deteriorate to where it is right now. Where really there's. Maybe ten cars uh, that, that will show up at any given night. I mean, if we can bring in the South Dakota cars and a couple of Iowa cars, we'll we'll get fifteen, sixteen, eighteen cars. And on a good night, we'll get a full field. But uh, it's sad to see that it's gone down as far as it has. And 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 engine costs are one of the big reasons. And there, you can go into a thousand different mm-hmm. reasons. But uh, yeah, it's I'm I'm with you. It's it hurts to see that uh, there's a, a slim chance that there's going to be a 360 race in Nebraska next year.
3: Right, and you know what I've never understood, and and this goes way back, guys, but what I've never understood is why the Knoxville cars wouldn't travel. Yeah, I, I don't I get mean that either. Um, and and I mean, over the past several years, the guys from South Dakota have more more guys from South Dakota or from the north have come down. Uh, and you, you know, then you, you had some NCRA cars that would come up. Right. Um, but even we, we had committed, um, Mark Birch Motorsports had committed to that Midwest Wingless Racing Association. And so there was a race in Missouri the night that, uh, Dennis had in, uh, Nebraska 360 race in Iowa. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Dennis, why are you running this on a Saturday night? But then found that Knoxville wasn't running, I think, because of the Jackson Nationals.
4: Uh-huh.
3: And I thought, oh, praise God, because I really wanted to take our 360 there. But I also understood our commitment to that non-wing uh, racing association or the Midwest race. Midwest non – well, whatever.
0: <laughs> the non-wing race.
3: Yes, thank you the M M W R A or something. Okay, anyway, I'm killing it. But I thought praise God Dennis will get these guys from Iowa to come over and fill the show. I was shocked when we were I my job on the way home from the races was to give everybody the updates mm-hmm. on all the different racing Either facilities or organizations or whatever. Right. And when I looked to see how many cars, where was it? Um, Was it Denison? It was. It wasn't Denison. It was um, Harlan. Okay. And I think they had like thirteen cars or fourteen cars.
0: Yeah, it was a Saturday night, right after. Right after, I want to say we raced at I eighty.
3: Yeah, and I was like, that is ridiculous.
1: I think that happened at Off-Road up in Norfolk, too. They had a race there, and they had 10 or 12 cars show up, and so the promoter there was pretty upset as well. Well, unless they cooperated with the the, uh, uh, MSTS 360s out of South Dakota, um, it was inevitable that that's what we were going to get were 12 cars or whatever, because that's really, for the most part, that's really all we have. Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. it it just... uh, I mean it happens the same thing happens in Junction for some reason. some of these three sixties that live in in and around Lincoln will not drive forty five minutes I know west it. to Junction motor, so
3: yeah, and even after Delmer changed the configuration of the track, yeah, I mean that should have caused guys to not for whatever reason not be afraid to come, and they still wouldn't and I but but that was something that during the NSCA days that we were constantly battling. Right, yeah. And so, I, like I said, I definitely felt for Dennis. I don't think Dennis did anything wrong. In fact, I thought Dennis did a lot of really, really smart, good things for racing. And unfortunately, he just didn't get rewarded for it like mm. he should have. Right. Yeah, you- and you because you you i i know you did a lot uh to promote the racing and um again you, you guys just didn't get your just reserve, uh rewards
1: well we talked about it on last week's show that if if i didn't have the job that i do i might be willing to step out and try to take over that series not knowing anything about running a series like that but uh um, it's a thankless job, and for Dennis to do it as long as he did, um, props mm-hmm. to him. Because uh, he and, and he even admitted he, it took a lot of his own money to, to do some stuff, and mm-hmm. so it, it's. Um, hopefully, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here any much longer here, but uh, it was just uh, it's just unfortunate. Uh, hopefully, some the powers that be will um, i eighty is as kind of done a lot to try to keep a uh, 360 yeah. going and then they had an outlaw race this last year so hopefully uh hopefully i 80 will keep her going and have a couple special shows and so the teams that have three sixties will keep their 360 motors and we can still enjoy four or five six races out at i 80 um, this next year in 2021
3: maybe you can convince mark birch to put a th- 360 and in another car and then actually you could put mark could put three cars together or you know the two car and then two other cars and then the three of us could race
1: (laughs) well it sounds like from what you said earlier you're really good at convincing him to do stuff so i'm gonna nominate Uh, you.
3: (laughs) no 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 i don't believe anybody can convince mark To do anything unless Mark wants to do it. But he, he, we, we did discuss the fact that we all are world of outlaw drivers so
1: <laughs> well i i drove drove a sprint car once and that was the kenny wallace driving school at i-80 so i'm a i'm a seasoned veteran now and so i know exactly what you're talking about you that's awesome that <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> i think i
1: drove on the interstate faster than i did on that racetrack that day because the car is so governed but uh, it, was, it was a fun and great experience so
3: That's good because everybody – I really – Brandon, I wish you would be able to do it. I don't know if Jason has ever done it before, but I really think that people that are involved in racing that never get behind the wheel should at least have one experience just to see what it's all about.
1: Well, I what I said before I was so frustrated, I ran, I think it was fifteen or twenty laps out there, and it was I was by myself. And after I was done, I was so mad at myself because I didn't look around and enjoy the scenery. I mean, I never looked at the flag stand. I never looked up at. okay, stand. now
3: wait a second, you're when you're in the car, you're not supposed to look around. i I found that out after my <laughs> first year at Midwest. so oh, well, I mad and I, you're not supposed to sing. No, I didn't know that. But I used to sing when I first started racing, and and I got told that that you're not supposed to do that.
1: You sang in the and while you're supposed to be going 115, 20 miles an hour. Whatever. Okay,
3: now stop. We were <laughs> we were racing at Midwest Speedway. Okay, okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, there's no way that my motor probably ran much faster than 60 or 70. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I used to sing all the time. I can't tell you what I'd sing, yeah. but well, yeah.
1: I was, I was frustrated that I didn't uh, enjoy, I I don't know, what I thought was, how in the heck do you guys do this with 20, 24 cars on this track when I'm busy by myself staying off the wall and everything else? It just That gave me a whole new appreciation for anybody that straps into a seat, and I'm not going to ever say anything bad about a driver because what you guys do with 12, 15, even 24 cars on the track, it just amazes me.
3: Well, I I appreciate that you appreciate what race car drivers can do and um y- you know, unfortunately there are some that can't do it that try to do it and <laughs> I, and and I and I believe that everybody has that that right to do it. Right. But but there are some that, and we talked about this on our way home from uh, from Granite City last weekend. That you know, some guys just never get it. Um, and even though I was, did, did I mention that I was the two-time back-to-back <laughs> Eagle Raceway point champion? I, you know, never heard of it. <laughs> okay, well, I, I just wanted to make sure because even though. I was the champion. Guys, I never I never got close to what my brother was able to do as a driver. I I I got better obviously over the over the years that I got to drive, but you know, some drivers they it's like any kind of and and you know this Brad as a as a, a trainer you get to watch track athletes so by the way I don't want you to quit your job until my former athlete is out of there <laughs> uh, but um
1: we're working on him right now so we're he's good good
3: good uh but uh you know some drivers plateau after two or 3 years and then they race for 10 right And they never get any better the last seven years. And um, I was blessed to experience a lot of different drivers, or I mean, excuse me, a lot of different cars. And i worked with several different crew chiefs and I, I mean, I was blessed that I was able to get better as my, my career went along. And now Jeff can tell you that when I drove that 305, I, I certainly didn't do him or his or Jay, uh, that I didn't do their car a lot of justice <laughs> in the four times, four or five times that I got to drive for him. But um, toward the end of my, my real career, um, I got better. But there are some, like everybody's been talking about, like Kyle Larson, and then there are some that never get it.
1: Yeah. I could agree so,
3: more. So, you know, when you say you just, you, you know, are, are um, amazed by what drivers can do, some unfortunately never figure it out. Yeah. And that, that's, that's too bad. But like I said, that's the same way with, with all athletes. Some athletes just are given so many, you know, so much skill and, and, that's all the better
0: they're ever going to get. Yeah. Now I don't know if you're going to remember this, but uh, like I said earlier, that I'm I'm relatively new to sprint cars compared to er- everybody else on the show. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, I wanted to get into racing. I just didn't, I didn't know how to. I mm-hmm. whether whether it be you know driving a car, working on a car, doing a doing what I do now. But I found your email address. I don't know if it was like on the NSCA webpage or if it was on Dirt Drivers Back back in the day when that website was going, going strong, yeah. but I, I just got a wild hair and I sent, I sent you an email, email saying, Hey, you know, I really like racing. I just don't know how to get into it. Um, you know, I would like the chance to drive a car. I don't know. I don't know anybody in the racing industry or in, in the industry or in the game or whatever. And you came back and said, you know, just try to get your foot in the door, you know, work, see if you can join a, a, a card and work on the card a little bit. Um, I kind of took your advice a little bit, but I took it in a different way. I, you know, I picked up a camera, started Mm -hmm. taking pictures and whatnot, but, uh, you were the, one of the guys that actually reached out and gave some advice on how somebody could get into, into, into racing other than just a fan aspect.
3: Well, it was something that that was all I wanted to do when I was growing up and, you know, some people hunt and some people camp and, and some people drink. And uh, I was just blessed that I really loved what my dad did. And my dad did a phenomenal job of fostering that Ford, Don, and I with motorcycles when he owned Joshua Motorsports. And, uh, so we would get to ride with my dad and his friends and, and, and then that led to Don getting a a stock car and, and I was helping. And, and that was, that was something that was incredibly huge for us as boys to be able to in, you know, engage in that kind of thing by working on the car, going to the races, being in the pits and and so that that was my dream to be a race car driver and um it took a lot longer than i wanted because i had to go to college. I mean, i i was the first one in our family to go to college and so i had to wait until i got out of it. And then once i graduated then I bought the the um, car that my dad won the 1984 point championship with, and that's how I started. And so I, because of my passion for it, whenever people like you would reach out, I mean, I just wanted to be that guy that would encourage someone to get into it because of how much I wanted to get into it and how I had been blessed by it and I knew that other people, I knew that other people didn't have what I had. And so, um, you know, you think about Dale Jr. or you think about Kyle Petty or you think about Davey Allison or or Craig Kinzer or, I mean, you know, any anyone that had had a famous father. My dad was famous to me, but I knew that not everybody had that luxury, and so if I could do anything to further the sport, which goes back to what you were talking about earlier, Brad. I mean, I had no idea that I would someday become the president of the (laughs) NSCA, but I knew that I loved the sport, and I wanted the sport to be big wherever I was at.
1: Well, I'll I'll go back a many 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 years and my first running uh, run in with the, the Droud family. Uh, it was I don't even know. Sorry, how, no, do no. I need to
3: apologize right now? No,
1: absolutely not. We I I probably need to apologize for wasting your time. But um, you guys were selling a go kart, a midget, something. You guys were selling. I don't even know what. it I don't remember what it was. But uh, we were in town to visit some cousins, and then um, my family, my dad, brothers, went out to your guys' place to look at whatever you guys were selling. And at the time, you guys had a little track out back on the family estate. Do you guys still have that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Well, Well, we were looking to buy this thing. We were dreaming that we were going to be race car drivers at some point. And so we went out there and looked at it, and... I don't remember if it was you or Junior or somebody took it out for a couple laps and spin it to show us what what the car had. And we left going, oh, this is, we're going to buy this thing. We were really excited about it. And then, and of course, we never did buy it, but uh, (laughs) it was so cool. We went out there and we saw somebody in their backyard has a racetrack with all these race cars in the garage and stuff. And it was so cool. And, and you guys were really nice about showing us what you had to offer, and and we we I, I don't know I, mean, I I couldn't afford anything. Shoot, I think I was in junior <laughs> high, so um, it, we were kidding ourselves. But it was it was cool to go out there and spend a little bit of time with you guys and see y- your passion for the sport because there were race cars everywhere. I, th- I even think there were some motorcycles in there. But to, to watch you guys tear around in your backyard in, in a little racetrack was really cool.
3: Well, you know. We thought we had something really, really cool until Megan, my niece, started dating Rico. Yeah. And and then you see what kind of a racetrack Rico <laughs> yeah, has in his backyard. For sure. Yeah, and, and you're like going, wow, Rico has the Indy 500 <laughs> or <laughs> Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and And well, I'm not going to say attract because I don't want to dog anybody, but, (laughs) um, but no, you know, that, that is something again, not many people have. And, uh, so for me to say that I am totally blessed to be connected and to have the things that we have that connect to the love and the passion that we have, I mean, like, for an example you know i'm not a fisherman at all ever never <laughs> but it would be like having a pond in your backyard yeah. if if that's i mean because if, if that's what you love and and so yeah when we when if you saw motorcycles there that's because we did have motorcycles and in dad in dad's acreage we made like a a TT we we were never motocrossers because Don and I could get no airtime off of jumps i think i think he was better than i was but i was petrified to jump <laughs> off of a, a off of a ramp or a hill or whatever and um so we made like a TT track in the backyard and and in his um on his land and then when he worked for land construction and, and he, we were able to rent a, uh, a grader and we cut the track and, and, um, then we, we bought go-karts and started racing go-karts out there. And between Mark Lyon, my brother-in-law and Ed, uh, Ed Opp and Mark Birch, and me and Don and I think Marvin Breeze had a go. I mean, we had and, and Jason Danley started bringing. I mean, we had some great freaking races out there. And then my dad was racing. And uh, and then my son started growing up. Isaiah started growing up and we got him a go kart And, and um, beside the fact that his sister tried to kill him one day uh, <laughs> because he was beating her uh, he really got pretty good at it. And, uh, I'm telling you, we have had some butt kicking days out there on that little racetrack. And uh, again, it, it's just been a blessing for us.
1: Do you guys still tinker out there every once in a while? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah.
3: yeah. We, Don and I were out there on Saturday and we were trying to decide back and forth, and we kind of talked ourselves out of it but we raced it well we call it racing but we raced a couple weeks ago and and um just we were hurting so bad <laughs> afterward but it was it was a great hurt you awesome
1: know? that's awesome
0: <laughs> yeah definitely i remember the first time i was out at the uh the drought compound and I was just yeah <laughs> I was just amazed about the history that is on the walls out there and yes it's it's, it's amazing to look back and see all the old photographs of of you uh, your dad and junior out there and I gotta ask what is the greatest racing memory that you have
3: well um, you know when you talk about those pictures the cool thing about the pictures that we've got up there, and we've, you know, with so many different photographers, there's a picture of my dad with Jan Opperman. Uh, they're at a like a racing banquet, uh, and we got a picture of Dad and Joe Saldana together. Uh, that I mean, this was this was after Joe had retired, but I mean, they were Joe was at the races and. And then you got a picture of dad and Doug Wolfgang. And, um, I mean, there, there are so many memories of all of our cars and some of my dad's motorcycles that, um, just, I mean, it just brings back, excuse me, just brings back so many great stories of, you know, what we've experienced Now, to say, you know, what's my greatest memory? I mean, I guess it it depends on if we're talking about um, my dad's racing career, my brother's, mine, even Isaiah's. Um, I mean, I remember the first night that I recall my dad winning an A feature out at Eagle Raceway. And my dad had been really successful in motorcycles, but the transition to the cars wasn't as good. And, uh, I don't know if it was equipment. I don't know if my dad just wasn't that great of a race car driver at the time, but I remember him winning his first feature and just crying because, I had never experienced that, and um, that was like I, – I believe it was either 1973 or 1974, and I just – it was just gut-wrenching how excited I was that, that he won that race. Um, I, I, one of my favorite stories about Don is uh, – that also involves my dad at Eagle Raceway. Uh, is that, uh, Don was driving the four X and, uh, it was father's day and they were racing in a trophy dash and, and dad was still pretty salty at that time. And, um, uh, so dad was leading it and Don was running second and, uh, they went the three and dad went in on the bottom to maybe the middle and Don drove around him on the outside and beat him for the for the trophy dash on father's day that's
0: probably a bad day for dinner that night
3: (laughs) (laughs) so so uh i mean it was that was i think that was bittersweet for dad because he was proud of don but he couldn't believe that don just beat him you know (laughs) and uh so uh that was that was a memory that that I will never forget and then as far as like for me um, I was driving for Jeff Bogue it was the NSCA days and um, I started I think in the second row we were at Deschler and um, we I, I got into the lead and I, I'm not trying to down myself as a driver, but I didn't win very many features.
0: But you and are a two-time Eagle Race Champion. I, but I am a two-time
3: back-to-back <laughs> point champion. Yes, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, I took the lead, and I I was, you know, I was booking around there, and I kept thinking, "Where's Don?" Because he was in Birch's car at that time. And uh I just kept thinking where I, i'm just i'm because I don't know if it was that year or uh the year before, but I had led several laps at Beatrice one night, and um that freaking brother of mine passed me on the outside, <laughs> and I ended up getting second and um I was so mad because I I really thought, you know, I had this win and, and so I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and it's the white flag. And, and I'm going, Oh, what do I do? Do I run in on the bottom? Do I, you know, I was running right around the the bottom, which shouldn't surprise you. But, um, uh, I just knew he was going to pass me on the outside and I ended up winning the race and he ended up being second. But, Lori was videotaping and, and um uh, I mean she and my kids were just going crazy because they saw Uncle Don catching up to me. And um so afterwards, and this is one of my favorite stories of all time. <laughs> so afterwards we stopped in Hebron, I think, at a gas station, you know, like to get something to eat. And um so we're in there kind of walking around. I don't know if you guys do this, but whenever you go to a gas station after a race, you never know what you want to get. Uh-huh. You just sit there and you walk through the aisles. You're
0: I'll like a kid in a candy store.
3: Yes. and I'm, But I'm like, I don't know what I want. So anyway, so I'm walking around, walking around, and in walks Don. And um, he walks in and, and um, I – kind of walk near him, and I go, hey, Don, and he didn't answer me, and I'm like, hey, Don, (laughs) and he said, I'll guarantee you, before you beat me again, I will cut through the infield, and I will make sure that you cannot beat me, (laughs) and that was one of the proudest moments of my life. (laughs) That I had finally slayed the dragon, so to speak, <laughs> because Don, I, I, I mean, I never could beat him and, uh, to beat him was, that was a really special moment for me, oh, not sure. so much for him, but that was a special moment for me. So
1: you mentioned Deschler, I think, I don't know if it was that race, but, uh, in my whole life, that is the only race that I ever left early without seeing a feature because it was a, the, the day that I went there, it was a day show. My wife and daughter came. It was hot, and, boy, they would run, like, two heat races and then water the track and then have to work the track in, and then they'd mm-hmm. run another race, and one heat race would have four cars, and the next heat race would have two cars in it, and it just became a marathon, and... and I I got tired of sitting there. So that's the only race that I have ever left without seeing the a feature run because of the way it was just, the show was absolutely horribly run,
3: you know, and, and that was one of the hardest parts of doing the Nebraska sprint car association was ensuring that the race tracks would run a good show. Right. And when they weren't, um, I tend to think that, that when I was driving Jeff's car, cause I, it was just Jeff's car at that time, um, that I really wasn't as focused as a driver. I thought I was, but I wasn't as focused as a driver because I would worry, even though we had a, a competition director, I would worry, you know, why aren't the cars lining up or why are we going another lap under yellow or why is the, you know, it right. was, it was, it was so difficult because once again, it goes back to, to my answer to Brandon. Uh, I wanted this to be big and uh, man, we, we struggled a lot. I mean, there were some great track owners or promoters, uh, but there were some that, that really made it difficult. And you know, the, the ones that did as much as we didn't want to lose a track, uh, we just, we just walked away.
1: Yeah. And you you and me exchanged emails during, after that, because I was vocal on I think it was dirt drivers and and I wasn't bashing the series but I was just bashing the track and, and then we did some side messages and you said you know this was completely out of our control and I completely understood that because you were just the series you weren't you weren't running the show and so forth but it was still really frustrating and mm. my, my wife not being a racing fan that was hard on her and we would take turns right on the right across the street was a little playground my daughter would go play and so we would oh, take yeah. turns with that but uh, we we tried to make it go but that, I was just that was the last time i've ever been to deschler in my whole life so never been there
3: (laughs) yeah it it um it it was a racy little track but um yeah the facilities yeah i yeah i just uh i i don't know what i can't really remember what it was that that caused it to be like that 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 particular night but it was an yeah, after- there- it
1: was an afternoon show, so there was okay. no hope for anybody. There was <laughs> hobby stocks. There were there were like five classes of cars. It was yeah. it was a, a, a total recipe for disaster.
3: Right, right, and. Yeah, five classes, um, yeah, you could get me to talk about that for about <laughs> two or three days.
1: So. Well, we're well, on about day three right now, so. Uh,
3: <laughs> we, we, I know, we, I'm sorry. We,
1: we, no, no, this is awesome. This is what we're all about. We we love to hear about yeah. Love, year and you stuff. Yeah,
0: we love history and stories and whatnot, but. But before we let you go, uh, what what is next for the drag clan with Mark Birch? Are you guys, you know, have any more races on schedule th- this year or are you uh, calling, kind of calling it a year?
3: We are calling it a year as far as I know <laughs> because <laughs> you never know what Mark's going to do. Uh, <laughs> but I, I do think that we're done for the year. And um, I what I do know. Uh, is that we have some really exciting things lined up for next year. Um, And I just, I don't know if I can tell you, though. No problem. So So stay tuned, right? (laughs) So this is an
1: announcement for the announcement to come.
3: (laughs) Yes, because, uh, yeah, I, I mean, not, like I say, I'm not exactly sure what, the total overall plan for 2021 is but there are some things you know in the works and um what i i think i can tell you and mark if i speak out of line i apologize right now to the millions that are listening
0: yeah. <laughs> and millions and millions.
3: <laughs> and millions um that you can expect a different look next year.
0: I can confirm that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are holding out on me. <laughs> uh, y- yes, you probably can, Brandon. Um, yeah. And so um, I I am that that is one thing that I'm really excited about. And uh, and, you know, Mark is such a student of the game. And, uh, he's, he, and uh, again, he and Don continued throughout the year to just get smarter and smarter. And I just, you know, I think next year could be a really fun year, um, for what we're planning on doing. So I'm excited to hear about
1: it. So, Whenever that announcement's gonna come. I, I know. I I'm
3: like I say, sometimes I talk too much and, and then I get in trouble and just ask Craig Korbeck. <laughs>
0: Going forward, this will be in. Uh, so, Rod, I want to thank you for jumping on the program. We could probably go on for another hour here if we if we really wanted to, but I think my wife would be pissed off when I come home at ten o'clock at night instead of nine o'clock.
3: Yeah, uh, Brad. <laughs> and, some- and, and believe me, you you got to do that. You you've gotta you've gotta honor your wives there. So yes, for, for sure. sure.
0: So I want to thank you for coming on. We're definitely going to have you back on, especially in the uh, the low keys of the wintertime when there's not a whole lot of racing going on yeah and, and we can tell some more stories so uh thanks for jumping on with us uh apologize for being late and uh yeah uh g- good luck uh you know hopefully for the uh 2021 season when that uh that uh, new look is officially announced <laughs>
3: yes yeah i i'm really and of course you know you already know but i'm really excited for people <laughs> to see it so uh it is it is kind gonna- of I think it's going to shock some people. And guys, thank you for letting me be the first retired <laughs> two-time and two-time Eagle yeah. Raceway track champion. Yeah, because I mean that's that's something. Uh, yeah, it, that there, really is. There's always
1: got to be a first.
3: So congratulations I know it. <laughs> and and thank well again thank you thank you very much
1: <laughs> no problem thanks for jumping on with us and we'll, <laughs> we'll talk to you again and soon good luck in your new endeavor and your uh, retired life
3: thank you i am excited about fellowship of christian athletes and what i'm going to be doing in lincoln nebraska so maybe i could even tell you about that too
1: yeah for sure
0: we'll definitely get you back on we might even have you on the same time we have uh Mark Birch coming back on and talking about the uh, the Jack Hoffman uh, Gala coming up here, and I, I believe that oh, is in February.
3: Oh, oh, we that would be a lot of fun.
1: Well, maybe you can come over to the brew
0: house. Yeah, and we have
3: can a
1: brew, and yeah, and yeah, we can do it in the studio.
3: Yeah, in oh, the studio. Oh, <laughs> even even yes because I was wondering why I did the remote call and not the studio cuz I I would love to be in studio right now.
1: Well, we've but, only had one in studio and that was Stu Snyder and that's just cuz he lives around the
3: block. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, believe me, I know how to drive and so I can Maybe not very fast, but I can get there. So, <laughs>
0: right. hey, consistency anyway. is key. That's why there's uh, a back-to-back two-time Eagle Raceway champion
3: that's there. Right. <laughs> thank uh, once again, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> all right, we better we
1: better call this a day. Yeah, we're yep. we're about Guys, ready to throw out so the red much. flag. So, thank <laughs> you, okay. Rodney.
0: All you right. bet. Thanks, Rod. We'll talk Bye. to you later. Wow, that's that is all I can say right there. Rodney Drought on the hotline telling stories and. uh
1: did we mention he's a uh, back-to-back, Eagle Raiders, back-to-back Eagle Raceway champion? Was it, was it in the same car, just two different numbers, or was it the? <laughs> you oh, know, we should ask him.
0: We should ask him. But I believe it was the same car, two different numbers. I, I think, I think the, the new sponsor got it. Yeah, a 96 with the uh, the ninety-six kicks uh, radio station here in Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, hence the number change there. So I believe it was the same car. Well, Same ownership uh, and everything.
1: You know, we just talked about first. This is the longest podcast we've ever done in our how many versions of this? 24. 24 25. versions. Something like that. <laughs> so hopefully, you guys stick with this. Uh, both uh, interviewers were awesome. Uh, if it's a two day listen, listen to them. But it, it's this. This turned out really well. I thought.
0: Yeah, definitely. It, it was. It's been a hell of a ride on this episode. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna cut everybody loose. But before we go, Brad, do you have anything planned this week?
1: No, I, I really don't know what we're going to do. We may go camping, but for sure I'm going to watch the Outlaws at Lakeside. and uh, um, well, But nah, it's, the weather is going to be beautiful, so I don't really know what we're going to do right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know this weekend is my anniversary weekend. Uh, the wife and I were supposed to go out of town somewhere and do something special, but she hasn't made up her mind yet. So <laughs> if she doesn't hurry up, guess where I'm going. It's lakeside. lakeside. Well,
1: we might be going and buying a new grocery getter. Our minivan is getting old and tired, so we might upgrade. But uh, that's, that might be about the only thing on our agenda. Just don't get quick time on that license, please, because I'm just going to snag that up here
0: soon. <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for jumping on, and we will catch everybody on the flip side.